Well, good morning, All Shore. So good to be here with you today. I'm going to invite you, if you're in the room with us, will you stand? And we're going to just join together and worship today. I've loved the weather this weekend. I don't know about you, but when things get sunny and it warms up, I just feel like I'm coming alive again. And I'm so excited to be uh, entering into this summer season. And I think as I'm reminded, as things come alive, I'm just reminded that all of creation was made to worship God. That when the birds sing, that they're singing out praises. That when the trees move with the wind, that they're clapping their hands in a sense in worship to the Lord, that everything praises God. Everything was created. And we ourselves, God created humanity as the pinnacle as the ultimate creation, the ultimate design to worship, that we were created within ourselves to worship the Lord and that we find ourselves at our greatest, I guess, potential when we enter into a place and a heart of worship. So just as we gather here today together, I want to invite you, you know, as we sing, maybe express yourself in singing, but express yourself in raising your hands and clapping and giving thanks to the Lord and bowing your knee and worshiping. But I want us to engage in this today and just to join with all of creation in singing praises to the Lord. Let's worship together. We're creation suddenly articulate with a thousand tongues to lift one cry. Then from north to south and east to west, we hear Christ be magnified. We're the His name would burst from sea and sky, from rivers to the mountain tops. We'd hear Christ be magnified. All right, let's sing our praises together. Oh, Christ, be magnified. We're singing, Oh, Christ, be magnified. Praise arise, Christ be magnified in me. Sing it, oh, Christ be magnified from the altar of my life. Christ be magnified in me. When every creature, when every creature melody in every human heart it's a native cry oh then it won oh then it won in raptured hymn of praise we'll see Christ Praise arise, 
strong and worship you and if it puts me in the fire i rejoice because you're there too and i won't be formed by feelings i hold fast to what is true because if the cross brings transformation you can't hate me there with you because death is just a doorway into resurrection life and if i join you in your suffering then i'll join you when you rise and when you return in glory with all the angels and the saints my heart will still be singing my song will be the same oh christ be Standing on your feet 
and our understanding in many in many ways, right? We can't put him in a box. But he's also personal. He also desires a very close relationship with each, with each and every one of us. And it's not a matter of perfection. It's not a matter of earning. It's not a matter of position. It's just a matter of being open to his Holy Spirit, of accepting his love for us because he's always got open arms. And I don't know what you're experiencing today, how you came into this place. I know each one of us carry our own unique set of things with us, things we're praying for, things we're believing for. But if you're in this place today, we want to take a moment and pray together. And if you have a need that you're praying for right now in this season, it could be you're praying for health or there's a family member that's going through something. Maybe you're struggling financially. Whatever that need is, I want to invite you to grab a seat. And we're going to actually lay hands on, we believe that coming together in one accord under the, under the headship of Jesus Christ, that when we do that, that God meets us right there in that place. You know, and this is also Memorial Day weekend, which I, I love that we take time as a country to honor, you know, we honor our veterans and those who serve our country, but this weekend we honor people who gave the ultimate sacrifice. We honor those who died in service to our country. And so maybe today, if you know somebody who, who died serving our country, or maybe there's a family member or a close friend or something, maybe you're struggling with that grief today, we want to pray for that as well. We want to honor, you know, I'm just always reminded 
Jesus Christ led first with giving his life to give us freedom. And we're blessed to live in a country where we have people who gave their lives so that we can experience freedom. Amen. So let's just pray together and come together and just invite God to do what he wants to in this place. So God, right now we come before you, Lord, and your word says that we're two or more gathered, God, that you are in the very midst. Lord, I don't know personally what each and every person in this room is dealing with, but God, you do. And so right now, Lord, I do pray, God, that in our places of need, in our places of brokenness, God, that your Holy Spirit would right now just minister to each and every person. God, that you are a God of comfort, that you are a God of peace, that you are a God of wisdom and direction and clarity. And Lord, even in the places of our lives where we are in need, God, we ask that you would just meet us in those places. God, that you would bring your very spirit to us. God, we not only pray for ourselves, Lord, but we lift up uh, the, the kingdom of God advancing globally. And we think of Dave this morning and the, his mission to the noon people. God, we just pray that as he's continuing to build and plan and prepare, God, that you would give him wisdom and insight. God, that you would provide resource to his places of need. God, that he would know that he's not jumping out on this venture alone, but God, you are present with him. God, and that we support and we encourage him as well. God, we also just take time right now to honor the, the men and women, the brave soldiers who have given their lives, God, so that we can experience freedom. What a blessing, Lord, to live in a place where we can experience so much freedom, but God, we do just honor them. And we ask that you would bring comfort and support to their families this weekend, God, as I'm sure it's a weekend where many uh, feelings of grief and sadness and, and remembrance uh, rise up. God, that, that they would not feel alone, but that they would feel the comfort of your presence. Lord, for all of the things we've prayed for and maybe the things that we haven't covered, Lord, we just ask that you would meet us in those places. Be with Pete as he prepares to speak today. God, that you would give him clarity of voice. And God, we just invite your Holy Spirit to do what you want to in the rest of this service today. We pray in the awesome and the powerful name of Jesus. We all sit together in this place. Amen. Amen. It's so good to pray with you and to worship with you. I invite you, if you're away from your seat, to find your way back, grab a seat, and turn your eyes to the screen. How do we say thank you to those who gave everything? How do we honor the men and women who made the ultimate sacrifice? For our freedom. We say thank you by remembering. Today we honor our heroes. Lives given not in vain, but with purpose. We stand grateful for their courage, their strength, and their resolve. For the fabric of America is stitched together by the thread of the brave. Today, we remember and we will never forget.
Well, and we are grateful for those who served this Memorial Day weekend. I hope you are enjoying the beautiful weekend and the beautiful weather, but be reminded of, again, why we celebrate and have tomorrow off for many of us. Well, we want to say welcome to those of you who might be guests with us today. Maybe you're visiting for the holiday weekend. Maybe you're just around town and you wanted to stop by and see us. Thank you for coming and being a part of our service today. We are so grateful that you're here. We would love to know that you are here. And so the way that we do that typically every week is we ask guests if they would just fill out our connection card and you can get to that by the uh, using the QR code that you'll find in the chair back in front of you. And if you just scan that, it'll take you right to our connection card. We'd love to know that you're here and fill that out at some point in the service and submit that. That'd be helpful for us. We also want to let you know if you're new that this is an opportunity as you've come this morning to receive a gift. So if you want to, if you would, as you leave today, you can stop by our connection point and they'd love to give you some information and a gift and just say again, thanks for being here. The connection card's a great tool for many of us who call All Shores home to connect and utilize for any information or questions you might have for us. So also, if you're a regular attender, you can utilize that for that purpose too. I do want to remind you one quick announcement before we get into the video announcements is next week is our Celebration Sunday. You will want to come back as we kind of celebrate what God has done this year. But one of the key pieces of that is baptism. And if you've never considered being baptized or if you've never been baptized, it is a great opportunity and a great time to consider doing that next Sunday. So if you go to allshores.org backslash baptism, gives you a little bit more information. You can sign up for it there. What I'm going to do if you want to to make it even easier is I'm actually going to be in the foyer at the end of service today as you leave. Come and grab me. I'd love to tell you more about it. We'd love to have a few people baptized next Sunday as we celebrate across the board a number of things that God has done this year. Uh, finally, as we do each Sunday, this is kind of the time in our service where we focus on our giving. And so grateful for that as we continue to see your faithfulness in this area. I just want to remind you, if you came today prepared to give, you can do that in the boxes uh, that are hanging by the doors as you exit today. Or you can give online, which you'll see the the link to do that on the screens behind me. But again, we're so thankful for that. This is kind of our fiscal year end and an opportunity, if you haven't given, for you to give hopefully today. And again, we're thankful for that. Well, we've got a few other things coming up. One of them is the GLS conference. You've heard a little bit about it. If you're here last week, Craig Rochelle spoke. We'd love to have you come and be a part of it. You don't need to be a leader, although all they say is, hey, you got to be a leader, but you can just be you and an influencer and come and be a part of that. So take a look at the screens and and see what's coming up with GLS as we hear a testimony about it. My name is Cindy Whalen, and I um, have been coming to All Shores for almost three years. I didn't have a place. I didn't. I wasn't a wife anymore. My kids were married, and I was just me. And I wanted to start my life over. There was a Sunday that um, we were in church. I was with the, um, some of the ladies from the Hope House and the director, Wendy, and it was before the sermon, and they showed this campaign about the, the um, Global Leadership Summit. Something God spoke to me at that very moment. I was listening to some of the speakers that were going to be there and what it was all about. And I, at, right after the service, we got up and we were walking out, and I looked at Wendy, and I said, I have to go. I need to go to this. We have to come to this. Well, for, for 34 years, I was a retail store manager. 
I um, ran big volume stores in the Detroit market and when I lived in Florida, down in Florida. And I can tell you today everything you want to know about being a professional manager leader, how to manage a store, how to lead people in a professional setting. But I didn't know what they don't teach you in those professional leadership classes is how to lead your own life. When I was at the Hope House, it was time, you know, I went out and I found a job and <clears throat> being a professional for all the years of my life, I wasn't sure if I wanted a professional job or what I wanted, but I just, I found a job at our local Panera. I decided that it didn't matter if I worked at Panera or if I worked back in a big box retailer, I was gonna give the best I could do. Um, I love my job. I have customers that are now friends. I know people by name. I've met so many people in the community just through working there. So do I wanna be the CEO of Panera? No, but I wanna make a difference in people's lives, even if it's just smiling and giving them a cup of coffee in the morning. That they see that the love that I have for the Lord through my eyes. The, the Global Summit helped me start rebuilding my life. It was the beginning of the new me. I am excited for my life. I am, I'm just doing what I wanna do in my path. And I'm excited for the, the new summit that's coming up because I want to attend and, and get more inspiration because this was only part one. Now I got to have part two. Now my ne you know, what's my next goal? What's my next God-sized goal that I'm going to do? Hey church, we are so excited as we head towards the start of another summer group semester. Groups will launch Sunday, June 4th, and our online directory will go live the weekend before that, Memorial Day weekend. Our groups gather around so many different things. We say our groups are as diverse as we are. You can gather around a book or maybe you're going out to eat or coffee. Maybe your group gathers around an activity that you do together. Here's what we know, life is a team sport that we truly are better together, that amazing things happen when people come together and build relationship. And summer is one of the best times to meet new people and build new relationships. We would love to help you get plugged in, whether you want to lead a group, launch a group, join a group. Now is the time to get involved and meet some new people. If you need some help, just email groups at allshores.org or go to allshores.org slash groups. May the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ continually fill you with the Spirit. May the Spirit reveal to you the incredible worthiness of the Lamb. And may you join in with all of creation, responding to him that way and living for him and through him. For his glory and your joy, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, I want to welcome those joining us online, all of you here in our Spring Lake campus as well on this uh, holiday weekend. We are starting a new series that we've titled The Big Three. There are three blessings or gifts from God that we want to experience, examine over the next three weeks. And so I want to invite you before we begin to pray, and I want you to keep this in mind as you pray this morning. Uh, today is called Pentecost Sunday. It's the time of the church year that we come around to that we celebrate 
we remember, we live into the fact that the Holy Spirit has entered the life of believers now, that we, he lives in us. That's what we say, we understand. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, we want to know, you to know that God is pursuing you. And so as we open the scriptures, I'm going to ask you to just pray. To ask God to speak to you, to lead you, to awaken you, whether you're in a despairing place, whether you're stagnant, whether you're in atrophy, whether you're growing, whether you're thriving, you simply pray honestly before God because we believe it's about revelation, not information or persuasion, and then I'll pray for us together. So you pray in the quiet, and then I'll join you. Lord, even today, as we remember the coming of your Holy Spirit, I'm asking for awakening for all of us. Lord, I confess there's nothing I can, can, can say that will convince any of us or change lives, but that you move, you reveal yourself. And so I'm inviting you, Lord, to reveal yourself from places of doubt and skepticism to disheartenedness to atrophy and struggle to growth to thriving. Would you breathe life into us and breathe it into us collectively too? Lord, anything that I have to say that's not from you, let it fall to the ground, let it be forgotten. But I am praying that whatever is from you, Lord, your spirit would breathe life into it and you would move among us. I pray this in the name and the power of Jesus. Amen. Well, whether you're younger or older, most of us in the course of our lifetime have had grandparents that we were aware of. In fact, grandparents are unique in that they have names. We have names for them that they often come up with or have. You know, there's Grandpa, Gramps, Opa, Oma, Granddad, Granddaddy, all sorts of them that we have, right? And so uh, when I look back on my kids then deciding what they would call their grandparents or the grandparents telling them what they would do. My dad wanted my kids to call him granddad. And because of my son's unique linguistic abilities, granddad turned into big dad. And it became good, and that was his name. And so then when we had grandchildren, I decided, I love that. I want to carry on my father's legacy, and now I find grandchildren that call me big dad. And it is good. <laughs> hey, Big Dad, yeah, come here. Come here, son. Come here, daughter. Come here, Granny. It's very fun to be called Big Dad. I love it. Now, the interesting thing when you have a name like Big Dad is it doesn't translate to everyone. So my grandson, my oldest grandson, some years ago, there was a grandparents' day at the school he was attending, and they were in town, and I got to go to it. And the teacher encouraged him to introduce me to his classmate who was next to him. And he said, hey, this is my big, this is big dad. And the kid looked at him like, what is a big dad? Is that a large, older man? I don't know what that means. Like you could tell there was confusion on this kid's face. So my grandson, perceiving his confusion, said, oh, no, no. He lives at Mima's house. <laughs> yep. And I discovered lots on that day. I am grateful to my wife for letting me live at her house. I'm grateful to my grandchildren for recognizing that she lets me live at her house. And I don't think I'm alone. I've actually heard this as a trend. So I just wanted to make you aware of that. 
But what I want to take you back to is we have names or phrases or ideas that we use in our own little world that others don't understand. And even sometimes names and words we use that we don't understand. And what we're going to do in this series is take a look at three particular words that are deeply meaningful and hopefully expand on that to understand them better. In a sense, these three generous gifts are what we call benedictions. It's really one big benediction or blessing. I want to frame this for you before I share just the one. We're really in one sentence for three weeks. But there are three parts of a blessing or benediction. Now, if you haven't been around the church, you may not even have heard that word. What is a benediction? We already had another word, which I didn't even include in the three. But here's the idea. If we go all the way back to the life of Israel, there's a time where Aaron, who's the priest gives a blessing to Israel. It's called the Aaronic blessing. And even if you haven't been around church, a lot of times people have have heard it before, this really wonderful blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you and give you peace. Now, we're not going to examine that today, but the principle of blessing or benediction is this, that when someone's acting in a priestly role, they're acting on God's behalf to impart to bless, to encourage. In other words, it's on God's authority to give this to people. That's the idea. And so we typically give a benediction at the end of every service. And what we're going to look at is a very particular blessing or benediction at the end of a letter Paul writes. Now, I I had a very specific motive for this, to teach this in these three weeks for me to you. And and it's very simply this. Um, In case you don't know, I will be going on sabbatical in July of three months, and this is the second time I've had one in the 24 years here, so I've had one some years ago. And I want to say, first of all, I am so grateful to have a church that wants to take care of the staff and help us. We give them in differing degrees at different times, but we've really had a culture that is blessing to us. Well, because of that, I'll be gone for a while, and I'm like, you know what? I want to give you a blessing before I go, something I want, and I'm going to be praying for you every single day in the three months. And so this is kind of a nice way for me to give you something in these three weeks leading up to it. And so, and I do want to tell you this, if you want to know more about that in the sabbatical, because there's a biblical framework for this, it makes sense. We'll have a core night on June 7th. I just don't want to miss this, uh, which is a Wednesday here at 630. We invite anybody from the church to come. I'll be sharing more of kind of the underpinnings of what sabbatical is. I'll be telling you a bit about mine. And one of the beautiful things that we know happens is when one of us goes, the leadership also steps in and you step in and something great happens in both tracks. And so we're gonna talk about that a little bit then, but that's for then, not for now. I just wanted to remind you of that. Now, getting into this letter to the church in Corinth that Paul writes, he's gonna give a blessing at the end of it, a benediction, if you will, of three great gifts. And and you're going to see what they all are today. But before I do that, I want you to kind of get a picture of the letter itself. This is right before the blessing. This is the end of the letter. And he says, listen, finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of mind, one mind, live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Now, this is an encouragement to them. The whole letter There's tons of divisions going on in the city of Corinth. There's lots of divisions inside and outside of the church, all sorts of hostilities growing, people drawing lines and taking sides. Sound familiar at all to the world we live in? And so I think think even that's a great picture. And, And the letter really focuses on what he's encouraging them to do. But the blessing, the benediction, 
is what he's asking God to give them. And so I want to tell you today, I'm just offering and wanting to give you something. And I'm hoping it will be more meaningful with each week that we go through it. So with that in mind, the, the big three, these generous gifts, and we'll take them in very specific detail. Here's the first one, and you'll see all three of them in the text. This is the blessing. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So today, we're going to look at the first part of this. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And all we're going to do is we're going to look at this word grace. Now, if you hear the word grace, probably different things come to mind. In fact, I was in the service last hour, and there was a young woman named Grace, and her whole family looked at her like, it's about you. Uh, grace, I typically think of with meals. People say, oh, you need to say grace before the meal. And, and maybe you guys didn't grow up with that. They, we did, but people had different grace that they said that meant it was a prayer you said, and most people said it. It was rote, and you spewed it off quickly, right? Thank you for these gifts, which we are Half the time, it's not words. It's like how I write. I start a sentence, and then I just scribble to the end, but we do it verbally. In my family, and I think I've shared it before, ours was um, God is great, God is good, and we thank you for this food. By your hand, we all are fed. Give us, Lord, our daily bread. Then if you already ate, it was God is good, God is great. Thank you for the food we ate. That's some serious grace, isn't it? What I want you to understand is we use the word grace a lot, but I'm hoping today we discover more of what it means. That maybe it's a lot more than we know. And if you've been around the church, you might even have definitions that you use. But I'm asking the Lord to deepen our awareness, not just our cognitive understanding, though that's part of it, but our passion and our experience of the very word grace. See, I'm going to be praying that you receive this, not just today, but day after day after day. This is one of my major things to ask for you in the weeks and months ahead. I'm trying to limit. I want to have, what could it be that I can give and encourage? Now, if we're simply to define the word, it's often called unmerited favor. That's what we say, grace. Oh, grace, that's unmerited favor. And we say it about as passionately as I just did there. Oh, grace, unmerited favor. Like, I know what that means. And doesn't that sound a little lifeless? Now, it's powerful, unmerited favor. Oh, like I didn't earn it. But what I want to do is give you a little more to the very definition, just so we can expand our view. Then I also want us to look through this whole letter, because Paul uses the word grace again and again and again. And I think it will take the very view of what he's saying at the end and expand it. That's my hope today, is we get a bigger view and begin to discover a bigger blessing God wants to give us of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we know it's unmerited favor. We know that's the typical definition, but let me give you a little more handles to it. I think very simply that grace says Jesus is for you. And, and this is the funny thing in the life of the church. Most Christians understand this idea that we were sinful and Jesus died for us. In other words, he gives us grace. He did something for us we couldn't do for ourselves. That's how we define grace. But we almost treat it like it's reluctant and then Jesus is frustrated with us after he gives it. That's how we act. Oh yeah, Jesus forgives us, but man, we better get to task on this thing because he did it, but we got to make up for it and we got to fix this thing now. And I think we kind of dismiss, and let me say it this way, all of our lives are evaluated on how we perform. Can we just agree? We evaluate each other and everybody else on how we perform. We might as well just get charts out every day. 
today, you know, you're doing okay. Not up and to the right, not so good. Yesterday, pretty good. That's how we live. So this is contradictory. Just imagine that Jesus is for you. Is, is Jesus for you when you really mess up and you're really struggling? Yes. Is Jesus for you when it goes well? Yes. Is Jesus for you moment by moment and day by day? Yes. Okay. Now you understand we don't think that way. And if you tell me we do, then get up here. Because I'm telling you, I watch all of us. We struggle. This is contradictory. Even though we know it's true, we don't live like it's true. Let me give you more to this definition, just a little more to expand your view or help you. It's, grace is not a good investment. <laughs> and this goes to the whole idea of earning. It's the opposite of earning. The word for to earn or to work is, a, is literally an antonym to grace. So it tells you it's the opposite. You don't earn it. And make no mistake, it's not a good investment. I mean, what God's saying is you guys sinned and you made the world a mess and everything's a mess in it. Now, does that seem like a group of people you'd want to invest in? No. Grace doesn't make sense as an investment. I want to be clear on this. It doesn't make sense. God's for you in the moment you would assume everyone else is against you. And can we just agree, even if we're so far as to agree to it, do you and I often look at people and not give grace? Do we often look at people and we judge differently? I, it's okay. <laughs> it's a quiet day today. I do appreciate over here. I love the noise. Go for it. Uh, also, I just want to tell you this. It's, it's proactive. It's sacrificial. And I should have written the word abundant. In other words, grace is not given sparingly. It means Jesus is so for you, he wants to give you grace abundantly, proactively, and sacrificially. Now, is it elevating for you, I hope, in your understanding? And I'm not sure we wouldn't say that's true. Well, it's unmerited favor. I just don't think we really buy this thing. I'm not sure we really buy, at least I struggle to, what it really means. And then I'll give you this final one. When it's really understood, rejoicing will follow. This is what scripture shows us. And I want to be clear on this. I'm not saying you manufacture rejoicing. Have you ever had this? Oh, I'm supposed to be happy. I'll give a little courtesy clap. Or I'll give an extra yahoo. What this means is when we get it, we can't help but rejoice. Boom, I love it. Here's the deal. I'm, I'm hoping, and I'm going to pray this for you every day while I'm gone. I am praying that you are so enamored with grace that you become obnoxious. Now, you can define how that should be. But I'd like to return to obnoxiousness. I live in obnoxiousness, so I take it with me pretty much everywhere I go. But what I mean by obnoxious is I want us to be responsive and reactive because we've found it to be true, not because we're supposed to be. Do you get the difference? So I am never saying you better act this way. I'm saying, boy, let's ask for more of God if we're not discovering this. Because that's the miss. It's not that it's not true. It's that we're not seeing it. Have you ever been honest with God? Boy, I really want to be excited about this, but I'm not. I don't get it. What if you started asking for that? And I'm praying for you, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. Abundantly, proactively, sacrificially. I want you to get a picture for this. Now, to help us see what Paul might have meant and what it meant to Paul, I'm just going to take you through examples of how he uses this very idea in the letter. This is not an exhaustive study. This is not meant to be, this is systematic 
But I am telling you, when you see that he puts it at the beginning and the end of the letter, and he writes about it through, maybe our vision of grace will grow, just seeing how he uses it. So that's my hope. That's what I'm praying for. And that's what we're going to walk through. So he starts in chapter one, and all I'm doing is tagging where it is in the, in the letter. I'm not getting into the verses or anything. But he literally starts the letter by saying, Great, the grace and peace of the Lord Jesus be with you. It's foundational. In case you don't know, peace goes along with grace in that we're in an unreconciled, broken world that is relationships, life, death, sin, it's all broken down. So grace is God's being for us and changing it by his sacrifice and his abundant provision proactively. And peace is what happens when we get changed. Now you understand grace and peace. And we tend to read these things at the beginning of the letter. Oh, that's nice. Keep moving. We even write them as tags. If you're in ministry, you always have one like, oh, grace and peace, oh, shalom, blah, 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 blah. We write all sorts of things. But if they mean something, they're powerful. If they don't, they're just a punchline. So he starts off going, I'm framing this for you. Let me just be reminding you, everything we have in our life is because of his abundant, proactive, sacrificial favor for us and what he's done. That is grace. Now, in the chapter 2, he gets to talking about, towards the end of chapter 1, they're going through some pretty rough things, and they're being beaten down pretty harshly, and life's pretty tough. And as he begins to describe grace more, he actually uses it in conjunction, as he uses the word thanks, which is also grace, that we are the aroma of him. In other words, when we live in grace, we smell like Jesus. <sighs> now, I'm just curious, how many of you are grilling out this weekend at all? Grillers? How many of you, even if you're not, you're going to smell it and want it? <laughs> Feel free to send me an email of what you're having. I might be stopping by. Now, do you know how when you smell something great and savory, you want to be there? You want it. He's describing that the people of God under duress and in a mess somehow become the aroma of him as they live in understanding and life of the grace he's given. That's pretty cool, isn't it? I mean, I can smell like a lot of things. I'd like to smell like Jesus. This is how he also compares it in here because it'll give us a picture of grace. They're going through tough things, and he says, don't use human wisdom. Don't try to do it on your own and figure out what you think best. It is grace that guides us. So just think of all the crud we're dealing with in our world around us. How often do we use human wisdom in the midst of it to say, this should happen, this must happen, it better change, and we're not living by grace. We're living by human wisdom. Oh, it's got I can't even believe. Like, I don't know about you, I get caught up in the circumstances around me, and I kind of spin into my own human understanding. And Paul's going, I want you to look at a church. They were in a horrible mess, and yet the grace of Jesus led them to live differently because they didn't rely on their own thinking. Grace itself gave guidance. Can you see the blessing in what grace wants to bring, that God is for you and wants to help you? Look and see life differently. All built on his favor for us, by the way. It's all built on God is for us. God is for us. God is for us. Imagine if we changed our attitude on that. Do you think we might shift on how we live? I mean, let's be honest. Even if we don't think he's for us, we certainly think he's against others. It's like, ah, I don't think that's who Jesus is. Now, that's not differentiating what's going on. It's just differentiating how he moves. Now, he continues. In chapter 4, he goes on to describe some pretty tough things they're going through. In fact, there's this, 
phrase, if you've been around the church, you might know he says that, hey, listen, we're hard-pressed, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed. In other words, we're getting beat up again and again and again. But he says, you want to know the beauty of it? You and I are like treasures in jars of clay. In case you don't know, to put a treasure in a jar of clay is not where you'd want it. He's saying you and I are shells. We're jars of clay. We're broken, messed up people. And where does God put his treasure? In us. It should make our minds be blown. God is for us. And he said, where am I going to put the treasure to change the world? I'm going to put it in you. 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 I am for you. I am for you. I am for you. I am for you. Crazy. And you know what Paul says? We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Because what is seen is temporal and what is unseen is eternal. In other words, stop paying attention to what you see because it don't matter. You do realize grace overflows whatever the circumstance. And can we agree? I'll speak for myself. I want God to move to fix my circumstance or to move to prove himself in my circumstance or to move to make my circumstance better. And Paul says the better is the unseen because the unseen is unshakable and the seen will be shaken again and again and again. Come on, that's cool, isn't it? God is for you. He's for you abundantly, proactively, and sacrificially. He's given us more. The letter continues. In chapter 6, he actually gives a challenge in this part when he's talking about grace. And he says, I don't want you to have the grace in vain. And he talks about this idea that oftentimes as believers, we can know that we have grace and we can even say we live in it, but it's more of a card we play than a life we live. And he gives just one commentary on how not to live in vain. And he says this. Open your hearts to others. In other words, if you want to encounter and live into grace, as you give, you pass it on. As you give, you look differently. As you give, you live in another way. So if you find yourself closed off, struggling, hateful, running down, seeing people as enemies and unworthy, chances are your heart's closed. And maybe the prayer for you is, God, help my heart open up that I would live discovering and giving grace. Discovering and giving grace. Now, I want to differentiate. This is not about merit. God forgave me. Now I have to work hard at it. This is about hearts being opened to letting the flow and the transformation happen through us. Because there's no way we change on our own just because we've been given grace. It's a work of God that we partner with. That's effort, not earning. I want to be clear. So the admonition is... And, and I would just say, this isn't any statement of us or an indictment of us, but in general, the culture of the church in our area, in our world, is not evidence of this. Like, we've lost a lot of grace, I think. And so I go, man, I think there's something God wants for us that we have to receive before we can even pass. And maybe the prayer today is just going to be, God, open my heart. My heart's kind of closed. You know, there's this beautiful prophecy about when Jesus comes, it says he's going to take hearts of stone and turn them to hearts of flesh. And then I'm like, man, I think my heart's getting crusty and getting hard. And I, I have to ask a lot of times, God, would you soften what's hateful now and be 
becoming harsh and closed. He says, you don't want to live with grace in vain. Open your hearts. We keep going. A couple more, three more. Chapter 8, he actually uses a group of extreme, extremely impoverished people, church in Macedonia, and how they are giving way beyond their means. And this is what he says. Grace helps them give generously. In other words, the, the unbelievable favor of Jesus makes them like that, where they give unbelievably and unreasonably. Now, I want to be clear. Paul's not speaking of this as an economic benefit. Like he talks about in this text that Jesus became poor, that we would become rich. And it's the idea that Jesus in his poverty of humility and humanity restores life to us. We tend often to think of God's blessing as economic. And here's my concern. When we make it that, we actually impede his blessing. I'm not saying you shouldn't be grateful when you have it, but you should never attach it to eternity or him. You can be thankful without being driven by it. And can we just agree we live in a world that's highly economically driven? So Paul's example is crazy. He's taking the people that are the poorest. And I love this. Oftentimes in the church, we guilt people. Well, you should be more generous. You know what they gave out of? They gave out of sincerity. So if you and I are stingy, and basically, don't forget, we can, we can hide stinginess because we can do things that appear good but aren't really out of the heart of it. It's something inside of us. When I'm not generous, I'm like, God, would you help me to want to, to be like you, to understand what you've given, not to fake it until you make it or to do the right thing. I love how Paul is so good about this. Listen, you do what you said in your heart. You engage this way. And make no mistake, generosity with our resources is one level of this. I'm talking about being generous as people. Maybe it's sitting with someone in the midst of a pain and just being present and being present today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day. It's being generous with how you live and love, not what do I get back for it. But it's born out of sincerity. I just love that picture of grace. It's not saying you're supposed to, so you better just keep trying. It's if you're not, be honest. And maybe you just ask God to do something in your life to help it be breathing into out of honesty, not pretending. Can we agree we all hate fake? I mean, the lack of authenticity drives me nuts. I want to live honestly, and I'd rather struggle and be honest than fake it and appear something I'm not. And Paul's just saying that. Listen, if you really get grace, this is a group of people that did, but you ought to take a look at people sometimes who have little and see how incredibly generous they are, and you kind of struggle like, man, what, what has kept me from this? What's hurting me in this? Two more. Chapter 9, uh, he gives an example of, of Timothy and Titus, I think it is praying. Maybe it's Titus that's praying. Uh, and he says, uh, Titus's prayers for you are because of the grace God has given him to care about you. That's what he says. Did you know when other people pray for you, it's grace? Have you ever been going through something and someone just shot you? Hey, I'm praying for you right now. Have you ever done that to someone else? Hey, I'm really, you're on my mind and my heart right now. Have you ever had someone really compassionately care and they're calling out to God for you? That is grace. Do you know, um, we started years ago praying for other churches. And it was a grace I experienced at a church I attended for a while. And Holland that Jane and I did, it was a vineyard church. And they, every week they prayed for a church. And I was so taken, not by just the prayer, but I knew that pastor loved the other churches. 
I'm like, I want that. And so I want you to know, we pray for churches, but it's not to demonstrate that we think we love them. I love the churches in our area. And there's some churches I'd go toe-to-toe on all sorts of issues with. I'm not saying I love everything about every one they teach. But they are God's people, and they are my brothers and sisters. And I love, I love that we pray for them. Isn't that the heart God wants for us? Do you understand that's grace, praying for each other? And so one of the things I will tell you, just as a practical outplay, is uh, two things. One is um, we have a prayer loft on our website that you can put requests up there. I'm not sure. We have a few that come up. I don't think we use it as much as we could, nor do we check it. You can both put one up, and you can go up and just pray for them. And the crazy thing is, whether you know the person or not, it doesn't always give information, it'll tell them. Like, it emails them and goes, hey, you were prayed for us now. Imagine if that grew, what that would be like. But let me tell you one other thing I'd love to have you do. When someone tells you something, why don't you write it down and actually pray and check back? And it's okay if you don't want to. You can say, God, help me to actually care. This is what I'm finding. As I pray for people, my heart changes. (laughs) Because I keep being reminded. And then I check in and I find out things I didn't know and my heart grows. Like in the process, something happens. Let me give you the last one. Last one is Paul in chapter 12 talks about what he calls a thorn in his flesh. And you don't get to think about someone who's annoying. That's probably what some of you are doing. Oh, they're a thorn in my flesh, let me tell you. Could be me. I'm glad you're gone for three months, not a thorn in my flesh. Um, what I love about this text is Paul says, I asked God three times to remove it, and he didn't. And then he says, he kind of is talking about, listen, I have a lot that is available to me. I could be really puffed up and proud. And he goes, with this thing in my life, it keeps me weak and dependent. And now I boast saying, I need you, God. Did you know it's a grace to be brought down sometimes and struggle? You know, I I relate to this very much because I found pride is a life issue I struggle with, and it does not take much to water that baby and bring it back to life. I'm always amazed, like, oh, I'm pretty humble, I don't care what people think, and I get one encouragement, like, oh, I'm awesome again, I should, oh, crud. And I realize I need a lot of struggle to protect me from how prone I am to jump up and think more of myself than I should. What if grace is in part making life harder to make us more aware? We don't think of it that way, but that's God being for us. And that's what Paul's saying. It's beautiful. I I think the picture, I hope, is is more profound for you. And I'll just say it this way, and I want to bless you, and we're going to have a little time to worship out of this. But I'd say it this way, that Jesus is for you. He's abundantly, proactively, and sacrificially for you. And I'm committed over these three months coming up from July through September, I will pray this over you. Day after day after day. I thought, I can't do a bunch of things, but this is going to be my commitment is these three blessings. And this is the first one of them. That I'm going to pray that God increasingly reveals the grace he has for you. May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. He is for you abundantly, proactively, and sacrificially. And then I want to turn it to what that means. Because the more you discover it, you need to be for others like him. I'm not asking you to fake it, but I'm asking you to live it. And I'm believing that if God reveals it to you, it will change how we live. I long for us to grow in this. And I would love, even being gone, to go, I think God might do something beautiful in the life of our church that I'll come back and go, wow. And I'm committed to praying for you in it.
So let me pray for you now with this in mind, and then we're going to worship and have communion. Lord, I, uh, I thank you. Thank you that you are the God of grace, that the Lord Jesus Christ is not just the exemplar, but the author of grace. So Lord, would you reveal how you are with us, how you are for us, and how you love us? Would you help us just to know how much you are for us? I pray for an expanding view of this. And even as we worship and celebrate communion, may we worship out of an increase of understanding that we want to give thanks and want our breath to praise you because of your grace. And then, God, as we celebrate communion, would you freshly give us grace and favor? And, Lord, if there are people here that don't know you or follow you, may they for the first time ask to know your grace. And that is very simple. Jesus, forgive me. Thank you is all you have to say. I receive your favor through your death and resurrection and new life. And you just receive that. Move among us now, Lord, in your name. Amen. I want to invite you to stand. We're going to sing and we're going to celebrate communion. And really it's a place to kind of sit in this for a few minutes. And so whatever comes to mind, you pray as we're worshiping together.
seated just for a couple of minutes here. Hopefully, when you came in, you were able to get the cup that we have. There is not a stipulation of membership here. We encourage you to be pursuing Jesus. We don't want you to participate if, you're, if it's a meaningless religious routine. But we believe what we call the sacrament of communion as a sacred activity that centers us on the grace Jesus has given and even freshly helps us experience that grace. You'll see that the top is the bread and the second layer is the drink, the bread and the cup, if you will. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and he gave thanks. He said, this is my body and it's given for you. It's given abundantly, it's given without asking proactively, and it's given sacrificially. And we receive that he's for us. Let's take of the bread. In the same way, Jesus took the cup. He said, this is a new covenant in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. It literally replaced what's called the cup of salvation and joy. It's the idea that the drink is sweet. And doesn't sweetness make us rejoice? And so whether we feel it or not, we rejoice knowing God is for us. He is for us. He is for you. And we receive that. Let's take of the cup. So Lord, I'm asking for a fresh understanding of grace and even imparting of that. And Lord, may our words be sung out of the we need to be part of creation that sings out of what you're doing and revealing of your grace. Let's stand together and close our time in worship. And all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. These bones will sing. Great are you. parts of the service when I get to give a benediction because uh, it's one of the few acts that are priestly. We are all ministers and part of the kingdom. 
as the priestly action, I get to, on behalf of God, give. And I love that. And I'm giving this to you today, but I'll be giving it to you every day in the coming months. And if I want to do that, how much more does God want to? So let me just have you place your hands out and receive his blessing. May the grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Spirit be with you for his glory and your joy. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.